Welcome to Tell of His Goodness. Well, Nancy, welcome to the Tell of His Goodness podcast. I'm so glad you're here with me today. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for asking me. Yes, we are members together at Grace Community Church, but people mm-hmm. listening might not know who you are. So tell us a little bit about who you are, what your day-to-day looks like. Okay, my day-to-day for the last eight wonderful years has been as a middle school English teacher. I teach, I currently teach four seventh grade classes and one ninth grade. And um, this past fall, I got to teach a Bible survey in, in kind of a, uh, an elective type class. So I've taught um, Bible survey a couple of times at prep and I teach at Jackson prep in Flowood and um, taught mythology a couple of times. I also teach a Bible class to some kids at our church on Wednesday afternoons. That's right. What ages? Well, this semester, I've got the third and fourth grade. Last semester, I was teaching Bible survey to the middle school, you know, the 12 to 14 age group. I love that so much. I really do. Such a sweet, you're such a gift and encouragement to our church. You know, Psalm 73, Psalm 73, 28 is a verse that I was thinking about recently. And it says, but for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. And Nancy, just from knowing you, I know that you'd proclaim it is so good to be near God. And I have seen, I've seen in your life that you make the Lord God your refuge. And so we want to give you the chance to tell of his works, uh, specifically in how you came to know him. So take it away, start wherever you would like. Thank you. I didn't grow up. I mean, I wasn't saved until I was 48 years old. So um, I'm pretty ancient. And so, but still, that's not very long. I'm still, I still feel like I'm really young in the Lord. Like a lot of people in, you know, growing up when I did, uh, we were churchy people, but not necessarily, we were not believing people. And, um, and I didn't know that. My parents were, you know, they were, they raised us like they were raised. Yes. You do, you know, you, you, your, your goal is to be a good girl or be a, whatever that means, you know. Were you here in Jackson, the Jackson area? Yeah. Yeah. We grew up, my parents are from the Delta, but we moved here when I was a little girl. And so actually the building we're meeting in right now that we went to Christ United Methodist when it was new. Well, it wasn't new. Yeah. full circle and now you're in there worshiping as a believer I know I know it's it's wonderful you know we would have thought we were a Christian home but we until the Lord saved me I didn't really have any idea what that meant but church was always a big part of my life and so um ended up um as an Episcopalian after being a Methodist so you know, very still liturgical and very worldly and had no idea, you know, I don't ever really remember people preaching a sermon about God. And so I know transition into the Episcopalian church after college or with your family before. Well, it was, it was, um, my kid's dad. Um, that's where he wanted to go. We didn't go to church for a while. And, uh, when our oldest son was, you know, I just wanted him to be in church. I felt like that was the right thing to do. And I said, pick a church as long as I don't have to shave my head. 
and wear a ponytail, I'm there, you know. So that shows you where my spiritual right. walk was. So, you know, it was just, I, I, I thought it was just best to be in church and um, did that raise my kids? We just did the church thing. Mm-hmm. It was just something we did. So for an hour and a half on Sunday and the rest of the week was mine. And I didn't know that I wasn't a Christian. That was all I knew. Mm -hmm. When the Lord saved me sometime in 2009, I had a really good job. You know, you would have thought, wow, she's got the life. And uh, my kids were almost grown. I'd gone back to my maiden name. It was like I had all my all my little ducks in a row Mm -hmm. for a worldly life. And it was it was a silly worldly life. I see that now. Um, and all of a sudden my, I was different and, and I knew this because I had spent a lot of years, <laughs> that was so my age, all the, all the groups I listened to as a teenager, Yes, I had to buy everything in a CD at that time. Yes. So, you know, we were doing eight tracks when I was 12 and uh, then cassettes. We'll list in the show notes what those are later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah no kidding. It's so crazy. And so um, anyway, so I remember driving home, listening to a CD. I can't, I think it was a Rolling Stones. I, I, I don't remember. I'm reliving my childhood. I had the Eagles, all of that. Mm. And um, I realized what they said. And I, I, I started punching the CDs out of my car and I came in the house and threw them away. I thought that is terrible. I threw them away, okay. you know, a wow. hundred dollars worth. Of, I just threw them away. And I, I had a you know, bookshelf full of New York, New York time bestseller books, you know, and I started throwing, I thought, I can't read that. I can't believe I read, I was reading. I had no idea, Carrie, what was going on with me. Like you didn't know why you were all of a sudden no disturbed by the things you loved previously. But I wanted to read the Bible. It was so, it was, no one in my life had ever suggested that I should read the Bible. And so I had one, but you know, it was like you pull it out at Christmas or, you know, you read like an inspirational verse, but Mm -hmm. I was never, and I, I would come home from my job as a fundraiser at a college after whining and dining people and open and read the Bible. Can you, can wow. I would stay up late and read the Bible? Like I used to stay up late and read a novel. Wow. And you're in your, how old were you at this point? You're in your forties. Uh, yeah. Your yeah. Children are, are they still, your children are in the house or almost out of the house? Almost, almost out of the house. Okay. And, and they, they weren't sure what was going on with me either. And yeah. Did they see you? Did they witness the, the yeah. throwing away of the books and CDs? Yeah. Yeah. And they thought I was crazy. And I thought I was crazy. (laughs) I mean, honestly, I didn't have any believers in my life. I had a lot of churchy people like me, but Mm. I, so someone had been in for me, but I don't know who it was. Wow. Okay. So looking, looking back, looking back to the CD moment where you threw away the CDs, do you see things leading up to that moment? Like conversations you had, something you heard on the radio, or did it just come out of nowhere? 
Seemingly, it, seemingly for you. May, maybe it felt like it came out of nowhere. I'm sure there was somebody in my life praying for me. Wow. You know, because God saves people through the prayers of other people. And so. we really minimize that. I feel like yeah. I will say we minimize yeah. the power of prayer. Yeah. So I remember the last day I was in the Episcopal church and I felt like I couldn't breathe. And I had, um, I was a, I think I was a chalice bearer that day, which meant I followed the priest and I was one of the people who, um, it wasn't like it was just me. I was on that rotation, but, and you know, so he would give the bread and I would give the wine in the cup. And so I'm in this robe and I'm sitting up in St. Andrew's Cathedral, which is a beautiful church. And I felt like I was in a room full of dead people and I couldn't breathe. And I left. I just sneaked out the side door after the after the Eucharist was over. And I went to the the changing room and I threw off that robe and grabbed my purse and ran with my high heels (laughs) out to my car. I had no idea what was going on with me. But that was I just I remember, you know, just praying, Lord, I don't know what's wrong with me but I can't go back. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm feeling bad about that. Wow. Now I know that was, <laughs> I was like fleeing. <laughs> but anyway, I, uh, it, the, the next few years was just a series of me. I, I mean, I can say to you now that when we seek God, we find him. He's good on that promise. Amen. Cause I went to a church that for a while, it was just wonderful. It's a fairly big church here in town. And, um, it was really wonderful because people were talking about Jesus. I mean, and of course, what do you do with the new believer is you put her in charge of a small group, (laughs) you know, and so I'm using the Bible because it is alive to me. I'm the only person, only small group leader in that church using the Bible to lead the small group. And I thought that was weird. But it was so interesting. I had a group of college age girls and one was from Birmingham, Alabama. And she said, you know, Miss Nancy, my pastor just wrote a book. Turns out her pastor was David Platt. And and so she said, I think you would really like it. So I got that book and I was on a business trip going to Nashville and I stopped and I vividly remember this. I was at the Panera Bread in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And I was sitting there eating lunch and I was reading this book and it came to a place where it described my sin as there's a dam 10,000 miles wide and 10,000 miles high. And my sin is behind it and I'm in front of it and it bursts open and all of that is coming toward me. And suddenly before me and, uh, you know, and I'm reading it like this is me, I'm, I'm visibly shaking the ground opens up and drinks up all the water so that there's not even a drop on your shoe. I just got up and left and went to the car. I was in a company car. I just sat there and wept. And I don't know if that was the actual moment I was saved. I don't know, but I'll just tell you, I, I never thought of myself as a sinner. I was a good girl And at that moment, I knew I was, and I knew I was saved. After my conversation with Nancy, I couldn't help but dig through all my David Platt books and find the passage from the book she was referring to. I'm going to read it for us now. It says, What happened at the cross 
was not primarily about nails being thrust into Jesus' hands and feet, but about the wrath due your sin and my sin being thrust upon his soul. In that holy moment, all the righteous wrath and justice of God due us came rushing down like a torrent on Christ himself. One preacher described it as if you and I were standing a short hundred miles away from a dam of water 10,000 miles high and 10,000 miles wide. All of a sudden, that dam was breached and a torrential flood of water came crashing toward us. Right before it reached our feet, the ground in front of us opened up and swallowed it all. At the cross, Christ drank the full cup of the wrath of God, and when he had downed the last drop, he turned the cup over and cried out, It is finished. This is the gospel. The just and loving creator of the universe has looked upon hopelessly sinful people and sent his son, God in the flesh, to bear his wrath against sin on the cross and to show his power over sin in the resurrection so that all who trust in him will be reconciled to God forever. Have you put your trust in Christ? Let's hear more from Nancy now. I mean, I still see the fountain. I was parked right in front of the fountain there, the little <laughs> wherever. And and hallelujah. I don't know how I got out of the restaurant, but I'm sure people were looking going, there is something wrong with that woman. Well, I hope other people grabbed a copy of that book and it changed their life too. I hope so too. Hallelujah. And he was just relaying. It was one of those analogies, but that's what the Lord used to make this good girl see that my sin was like that you know, and, and Christ was that whole who drank up all the wrath of God for me and not a drop of it was on my shoe. And Mm -hmm. so I didn't understand all that at the time, but I just knew I was not the same. And so anyway, it, it was just wonderful how the Lord began to open up his word to me. I discovered David Platt's sermons, and he was taking his church through the Bible. And so I would come home from work and watch Secret Church or watch whatever. And um, I just remember praying, Lord, I want to know the Bible like this young man knows the Bible. Mm -hmm. Because it wasn't about him. It was about the Word of God. He, He just could explain it in a way I'd never heard anybody talk about the Word. I ended up being a missionary downtown, I rented my house out and moved to inner city. When you came back from Nashville, what was the timeline between that and going downtown? Oh, it was, it was a couple of years. So for a couple of years, you're leading the small group, you're reading the word, you're listening to David Platt, probably tell you over and over, you got to lose your life. Reading the Bible, I'm finally understanding you know, I can, I can understand it at this point and in a way that I'd never. So I was reading the Bible like a crazy woman. I It was like there was nothing else. I just wanted to get through with work so I could come home and read the Bible some more. And Wonderful. it was just it was so crazy. And my coworkers started looking at me because I, I wasn't like, I <laughs> you know, it's like you don't even want to talk about I was a huge major league baseball fan. You don't even want to talk baseball here. I had a friend tell me you're going to love this. 
He said, you know, Nancy, you really ought to spend more time in the 21st century than you do in the first century. <laughs> and I got in my car after that lunch and I went, thank you, Lord. It's working. <laughs> what were your sons saying at this point? Were they seeing all of this happen? Well, it wasn't long before they, they sort of left. So, mm-hmm. you know. Like headed to college and out of the house. Well, out of, out of the house. So the, it, the Lord was so kind because I had a lot of time to do that, to, to study his word. I felt like I had so much catching up to do. Did you have many believers around you at this no. point who were also reading the word? No, he still no, doesn't. Okay. No, uh, people I thought were believers. Um, and, and I look back and had I had some solid believers, I, I would have made different decisions, but you know what? This is the path the Lord used to humble me. Yes. It was wonderful that to just keep seeking the Lord and, you know, this isn't it and this isn't it. And, and, you know, going from this church and, and finally I ended up in a reformed church and I was so grateful after that, you know, at at some point in all this study of the word, the Lord opened up for me to understand his sovereignty. And it was the only thing that made sense. Yeah. You know, coming from an Armenian, you know, works-based understanding to understand and know what happened to you is just like what happened to Paul on the road to Damascus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that makes sense. That, that, that that's I it. wasn't on that same road, but I was in my car listening to journey and I ripped out the CD. <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Just, he did it. I know. And so, um, so it was, it was a great relief to understand that. Um, after I came home from the thinking I was going to go save the world by being an inner city missionary, you know, the middle-aged woman. Now, did you, did you quit your job to do that full time or were you still working? Uh, After a while, about half the time I was there, I was still working. Um, So, and I traveled. So there are a lot of things that I later learned were happening at this particular uh, organization that I didn't really see or know about because I was gone so much, um, yeah. you know, even though my stuff was there, I traveled at least two weeks of the month and, um, you know, and the days that I, the weeks I wasn't traveling, I was working, a, you know, a job. You were and, still gone uh, during the day. Yeah, yeah. I was gone during the day. Eventually I had to quit the job and, uh, in the world's eyes, I quit a really good job. Cause I teach school now and I'll never make that much money, <laughs> but I don't, I don't need to, you know, at the time I had kids at home. I don't, I don't need that. Yeah. Well, how was that time for you when you were a downtown missionary? Was it helpful being around other people who were really wanting to live their life for the Lord? What was that like for you? I thought so at first, um, it turned out to be, uh, much different from what I thought. And so the Lord in his mercy, I just sort of pulled me out. I understood what second Peter chapter two, the Lord knows how to rescue the godly. And so, you know, I came home humbled um, because, you know, in fact, I didn't save the world and that's really my place. And so I had to be humbled um, and, and the Lord was so kind and um, I couldn't get a job. I, I don't know how the bills got paid, but I sat in this house once my renter left and I moved back in it. I sat in this house for eight, 10 hours a day and studied the word. It really was sweet. It was like Ezekiel who was shut up in his house 
and I studied the word and I just, I didn't, I just needed to know God. And I thought that I should be doing something else. And then I ran across really studying Colossians too, where the, the wealth was not of money, but of understanding and knowledge. And I realized mm. what I'm doing is right. I thought I, I was, you know, like some sort of an indulgence that I just want to read the Bible all day that I should be out doing something else. And, and the time came when the Lord opened that up, but, um, that was a, that was a sweet time. I had no money. I can only, I can only imagine how sweet of a time that was. I had no money, but I had internet and I had uh, a Bible and I had a, a couple of things. So the Lord, yeah, the Lord pulled you out from the downtown mission where right. you were living in your home, studying the word of God, eight to 10 hours a day yeah. for how many months did you uh, say? It was, it was more than months. It may have been about a year. Wow. And I ended up uh, finding a reformed church. It was a great place to grow. I mean, immediately they started, I, I was teaching all the women, go figure that, you know, I was just learning the Bible. And next thing you know, I'm teaching both the ladies circles and a Wednesday night Bible study. But I learned, I learned how to teach the Bible and they were very kind to me and, but their lives were dead. And so yeah. they believed what I believed, but, um, mm -hmm. but I didn't see it in their lives. And they told me that some people just need more time. And I thought, well, I've wasted a whole life. I don't, I don't have more time. I want to know God. I, didn't, I just didn't get it. Unfortunately, um, that pastor uh, got into, uh, what's the term they use now? Moral failure. And the church is yes. no longer. And, um, but I had already left. So I just, again, was humbled. And I just said, Lord, I need to know what church means before I go join a church again and create an Ishmael instead of an Isaac. And mm. um, I, I said, I'll go and I love the people, but then I'll have to leave again. So um, the Lord was kind enough to teach me and teach me and teach me. And, and, and then he brought me to grace and I began oh, to see wonderful. what living in a life. I mean, I go to grace and people are like me, they're crazy for God. <laughs> These are my people. I had said to the Lord, I'm not going to grow it anymore, Lord, unless I'm with your people. Mm -hmm. There's only so much you can do as a, as a believer on your own. I, I know we've just come through YouTube church and people streaming and all that because of COVID, but doing church in your living room by yourself is not church. It's not what the Bible speaks of. And so being at grace, being a part of lives, being closer to y'all than I am to my own family, you know, it's because we are children of the same father has been a validation of everything that I studied mm -hmm. in the word, but it's you know, even more than that, it, it's showing in my life to learn how to, I had closed my heart off to loving because I was so tired of being hurt Yeah. and loving people who love you and who love the, your Lord is not like loving people in the world. Jesus said, they'll know your mind because of your love for one another. And I really feel mm -hmm. that and see that at grace. So looking back at, or thinking about your story, when would you say 
you had a firm understanding of the gospel message in a way that you could articulate it to somebody else? I would say probably learning it from listening to the sermons of David Platt. I began to memorize scripture and understand the gospel, but it was still fuzzy until after, um, until that time of studying the word and, and when you're in the word that much, when you're in the holy word of God that much, and it's, you know, I love Psalm 19, the unfolding of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. And that was exactly what happened. And I could see it in scripture. And I met, I met a little Puritan man named Matthew Henry. <laughs> and Matthew Henry took my hand and took me through the Bible. And I began to understand it not about me, but about God. And when that perspective shift occurs and it's God's word and not how it relates to me, I don't open the word of God to learn about God. Yes. You know, every page is the Lord Jesus. It's, it's God's truth. It's God's way. And um, when I began to see that, I began to get smaller. God began to get bigger. And, and then you see his, his sovereignty and you see the gospel and you, you see, you know, what Jesus did all those years of being an Episcopalian, I was fine with Jesus being on the cross for sinners. I just never thought I was one of them. You know, (laughs) how arrogant are you? I had no idea what a proud person I was until the Lord humbled me. And it's like, ah, so it's, Praise God for his grace, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, but I began to, to understand substitutionary atonement, that it was Jesus died in my place. It wasn't just that he hung on the cross for somebody hoping that they would know he had, he had names, he had, he had faces before him. Mm-hmm. He died for his people. So I would, I would say probably when I began to study the word in earnest in that, in that time, that year long time of, of just really being in the word of God. What a gift. I've benefited from your teaching at our church women's nights, women's retreats. So I am very thankful the Lord gave you that one year. Me too. When I started working again, I never thought I'd go back to teaching, but that was the job he opened up. You're not surprised. You know, nobody I know is surprised I'm a teacher. It's like, well, yeah. It's a clear gift he's given you. And even with the early day I have, I won't tell you how early I get up, but I have at least two hours every day before I start my early morning day. So I, I just, I need to know God. And, you know, I didn't come to know him as a, as a young woman. The Lord's been very kind to mature me and kind of fast track mm-hmm. as far as understanding spiritual things. But I won't have a 50 year life with the Lord on this earth. However, I will have eternity with him. Endless days to sing his praise. Hallelujah. Yes. Amen. Well, do you have any other encouragements that you would want to share with anybody who's listening today? I think that what I would want to share that you have found true and I have found true is that um, it's an easy thing to say that the more you know God, then, then, the, then the struggles of this life, all of those things have their right place. 
but specifically the more I know God when that challenge comes or when that conversation that I wasn't expecting all of a sudden starts or that little one of yours ask you that question if I know God and I know his promises then I'm not rocked by that here's what I mean it's easy to say I'm going to stand on the promises of of God my savior like the hymn says but if you don't know the God who made the promise Mm. then the promise means nothing to you right and so when a a situation or when when a sorrow hits or even even God even shields us from too much uh, from joy that can be that can he's a shade for us mm-hmm. on our right hand and uh, as we go through life with his governing providence if I know that 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 God is in charge if I know God is good and I know he's good to me, and I know his word is true, then when I look at his promise, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, even though I don't think I have enough money to pay the bills, or there's something that I think I need, but I have everything. He's my shepherd. I'm not going to need anything. If I truly believe he's my shepherd, then I just say, you know, well, Lord, you know, Mm -hmm. and so I just listened earlier today to a podcast with Tim Challies, who lost a son two years ago. And and it just reminded me all over of the very worst thing that you could think of happened. And he said, but God is good. And that I know. Mm. And, and it's when we know God and when we know his word, then and we know his ways then we're able to call upon him in the time of temptation. When you know God, then your emotions are brought in under his rule. Your your desires are brought under his rule. You you become like Christ. Mm -hmm. He said, I delight to do your will, oh God. And when the things in life that come, because things do come, we have temptations. We have an enemy who hates that we belong to God. Mm-hmm. We have just a day to day. We're on we're on a pilgrimage, and it's not it's not easy. It's not easy to be here when your heart wants to be there. Yes. And so you know, just to trust that the Lord's word is from Him. It's not just some Bible verse on a coffee cup. You know. Mm-hmm. I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me is, is true. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son is true. These are, these are not just platitudes. These are, these are heart gripping words from another world. Mm -hmm. They're, they're not just, you know, a bumper sticker. And so to know the God who said them, who said those words, I, I, I clung to, and I wrote it down here, but Ezekiel 36, where the Lord says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you'll be clean. Cause I, I couldn't see how I could be different. Mm-hmm. You know, Lord, just show me how to do it. I, I don't know. And, and, and the Lord, and I underlined in every Bible I've had since then, I underlined that I will, I will do this. I will put my spirit within you yes. and cause you to walk in my ways. I will do this. And I, I had no grid for a God who invaded me like he did. And it's I love just, the word invaded. He did. I am not who I was before. And and we hear that, but 
but we who've been transformed by his grace know that mm-hmm. I'm not that person. It's not just that I don't do those things. It's that I'm not who I was. Right. I have a new heart. I have a new love. I have, a, I have new desires and uh, it's glorious. It's, and, and I just want to say to people, get here faster than I did. <laughs> I know the Lord saved me when, when I was supposed to be saved, but oh, wow. There was just so, there was a long time when I just grieved over the years that I didn't, I didn't know God. Yes. You know, it's like I've, I've lived a whole life without you, Lord. I wrote this verse down from Second Peter 2, verse 9. It says, but you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into him, his marvelous light. Once you are not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you yeah. have received mercy. And mm-hmm. I was thinking on that verse before our conversation and thought I knew a bit of your story and that that mm-hmm. verse is just aligns perfectly with yes. that you now have received this mercy. Mm-hmm. He brought you from mm-hmm. darkness into light and you're, you're a one who I know proclaims the excellencies of him who's called you out of darkness. And so I'm just thankful to get to hear your story. Thankful to get to tell it. I, I just, it, it, it is so encouraging to hear even just me speaking it, the power of God to change a life. Mm-hmm. What a thing. <laughs> We've gotten to hear of his goodness in your life and salvation. How he opened your eyes to see Christ and changed you, made you a new creation. Tell us mm-hmm. just two to three simple things in your day-to-day life where you get to see his goodness. They can be serious, silly, mm-hmm. anything that comes to mind. Um, I, I'll tell you, I, I think it, it sort of follows on what we were talking about earlier, but to know God and to know his ways, then I can recognize that. So, so um, I have about 95 students and not all at once. Yes. They come in different classes, um, but still 95 kids that I get to know every year, every year. And then, then they move on and I get a new crop. And so um, 95 kids that, you know, it, it's sort of coming at you all day long. So the teacher life is not like I get a nice long hour long lunch break mm-hmm. where I can go get my done I don't have that and so <laughs> I'm sort of there and then when I'm done I pick up my purse and go home and usually I have papers to bring home with me to grade yes but it, it, it's it's all day and and it's conversations all day long and so um to you know that wishful thinking of oh I need to go pray over everything I'm about to say I don't have time for that so <laughs> So to recognize God's goodness in, in just to, you know, when I've prayed over a, a, a situation, maybe with a child who is struggling or whether academically or behaviorally, or I've got a difficult email to write to a parent or maybe a difficult conversation with a coworker and the Lord just, you know, you, you pray about it and then you go and and the next thing you know, that parent is standing up, walking around the table to hug me. And I think, what just happened here? <laughs> and it's so wonderful because it's not just me 
going to be an English teacher. That's how, well, that's, that's my cover, but God has sent me as a light. Yeah. God has sent me as a light in a dark place. Mm -hmm. And even though I teach in a wonderful place where, you know, they're believing families and believing coworkers, you're still a light in a dark place. And, and, and you see that happen and, and to know that I'm his, and so he is with the Lord Jesus said, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. And, and he is. So it really is sweet. It really, and the opportunities that I get, um, you know, in conversations with kids and they just crack me up. The kids just crack me up. Oh, so, that's great. Um, but, but other things, um, you know, just to, just to take the, take joy in the little things. It just little things like being able to come home and and read something that is spiritually uplifting that that's also fun to get to go and be with these kids on Wednesday afternoon is just it rocks. It's just so fun. Um, but but in a day to day, it's just so sweet that, you know, it'll be a sunset or it'll be a coworker brings you a cup of coffee, things I would never have thought to, to savor in my old life that I would have considered an irritation or an interruption. It's like, that was really a sweet moment. Thank you, Lord. I'm really grateful. Well, I'm so grateful to get to talk to you and hear the Lord's goodness in your life. So thank you so much for this time. That's been awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Carrie. the end of my life when they ask me why I was different I will testify with all my mind that I was loved.